Alright. So Hosea chapter 12. We just read through the chapter. Now we're going to go back and, and see what we can dig out in this chapter. And as I've said, going through this chapter, the context continues to change. It's kind of like the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs is just, I call it almost like, uh, what what's this type of music, rap music? You know, rap is just little... You know, a verse here, or not a verse, but a statement, and another statement, and another statement, and it, it, mostly it's bad, but but it switches all the time. That's kind of how the book of Proverbs is. Well, the book of Hosea, and especially this chapter, is almost the same way. It just changes context over and over and over. So, for as God is giving one of it. Does he think, oh, this needs to be said about that one? <laughs> I mean, you know, you bring to remembrance what you said. Say, oh, they need it too. <laughs> right. And so... He's talking about them in the next verse. Right. And it's like, it's almost like God used me to write this because it seems like my mind does that. It jumps from this and it jumps to that. And I've heard people go, wow, how did you just change subject like that? My mind just bounces around, okay? And so, I guess I'm kind of godly. I didn't realize that. So when somebody says, you know, my mind's jumping, I'm like, well, God does that all the time. So, uh, chapter 12, the Lord has a controversy with Ephraim. And you go, now where does it say that at? Well, let's read this. It says, Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. He daily increases lies and desolation. And they do make a covenant with the Assyrians and oil is carried into Egypt. And the Lord also hath a controversy with Judah. So that tells me that word also there. The Lord has a controversy with Ephraim right off the bat. And then we're going to talk about... uh, not only that, but he's going to also have a controversy with Judah. So it's also the whole nation of Israel. Yes. And first of all, the Lord has a controversy with Ephraim for making covenants that he shouldn't be making. And it says in verse 1 that he makes them with the Assyrians and the Egyptians. Now, they already had a covenant with the Lord God. And God, their covenant was supposed to be with Him. They were not supposed to be making treaties. They were not supposed to be making covenants with other nations. So, again, uh, put a marker here in Hosea, because we'll be back to it. Turn back in your Bible to Deuteronomy 7 and verse 2. And again, I've been reading through Deuteronomy, and so I've been seeing all the things that God told them when they got ready to go into the land the first time, what they should do and what they should not do. And yet, everything that they've been doing with Hosea was the things they were not to do. 7 says, and when the Lord, 7-1 says, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, and whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Termites. No, it didn't say that. Seven nations, greater and mightier than thou. Now think about that. Now this is, he's, he's telling, Moses is telling the people this. There was good reason why when they sent those spies into the land and they came back and they said, we can't take these people. 
And they were right, but they didn't put their trust in God. That with God they could do it. Because these seven nations that was in Israel, that Joshua and the people were going to go in and, and, and basically defeat, they were bigger and mightier and, and meaner and nastier than the Israelites. But with God, all things are possible. That was the problem. And so, this is these nations, verse 2, And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, and thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show, show mercy unto them. Now that was particularly when they went into the land, but the, what I wanted to see here is, you guys should not be making covenants with other nations, because your covenant is with me. And when you do start making covenants with other nations, before long you're going to be serving their gods. And that's why God said not to do that. And he says, do not make covenant with them. And they had made a covenant with who? The Assyrians and the Egyptians. Okay? And here's what's interesting. They, would, they were not only making covenants with them for trade, because I was thinking about this, and I'm like, well, it says here they're carrying oil down into Egypt. And so it's okay to have trade with nations, but they were beginning to trust in them for protection. Mm-hmm. And yet the very ones that they were, they, they, they asked the Assyrians at one point in this 280 years for protection against other kings, they should have went to the Lord and asked for that protection. And then the ones they asked for protection are the ones, the very ones that came in and defeated them. Isn't that wild? They put their trust in the wrong people. Okay? And that, that's a no-no. So, so God says, no, I don't want you to put your faith in, or guidance or trust in anything else other than me. So these covenants, it says, were likened into the wind and expressively the east wind. And I, I was thinking about that, so I had to go back and look at a couple places where it talks about that. So go over in your Bible a few pages to the right to Jonah. Remember Jonah? Now this dude is a real character. It's probably when the wind came up and killed the Gordon. Yes. And there was a wind that came up get to where I'm at. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and he wished to himself to die. And he said, It is better for me to die than to live. That's when Jonah was having his pity party. But there is a wind that comes up, and it says here that it's a vehement east wind. And when I'm thinking of vehement, I'm thinking of just gusty, you know, just... But that's not what vehement means. It was basically, I I studied that verse out, it's a silent or a quiet wind. Completely different than I thought. Complete, but... It's a wind that's sultry. So I was thinking about that. So when is it that we ever have a sultry wind? What are you thinking about that? I'm thinking about in the dead hot of summer. When it's just so humid. You can't stand it. I'm thinking of a Oaxaca heat is what I'm thinking of. 
Man, when Carrie and I went to Oaxaca, I have never been so hot in my life. It's like we just stood in a furnace. I mean, you were sweating and you were leaving salt deposits on your skin because of the sweat coming out. I mean, it was hot. And so, um, these covenants are compared unto a heat like that. Okay? It says a wind and expressly the east wind. And so the east wind also is anything coming from the east is is uh, some things coming from the heat from the east are destruction because Christ does come from the east at the last, but a wind coming from the east is not good. So yet in your in your uh, handout there it says uh, Exodus ten three it should be Exodus ten thirteen. In that verse, and I'm not going to turn there for sake of time, is when the Lord brought the locust in, and they came in on a east wind. So anything we see with a wind coming from the east is not a good thing. And so these covenants are likened to the wind, and specifically the east wind. The east wind isn't a good thing, but when God comes back, He's coming from the east. The only thing I can take from that is, is when He comes back, He's going to be coming for certain people. It's not going to be good. It's going to be destruction. So destruction comes from the east, and including our Lord Jesus Christ, He'll be coming from the east. Okay. And so, then we have under point B, Ephraim's deceitful traits. Now, in verse 1 of Hosea, it says that Ephraim feedeth on the wind, he followeth after the east wind, and he daily increaseth lies and desolation. So, he daily increaseth, it's what goes in your blank. Lies and desolation. Now, I'm going to find... Desolation as destruction. In the movie The Lord of the Rings, there's one title of the movies, uh, the uh, the desolation of of is it smog? Is that the name of it? That's in that. And I'm like, it's funny. You got these science fiction movies, and they have all biblical definitions in them. And it's like you can't escape the definitions in God's word. So desolation is not. We don't use that. Anybody use desolation a lot? No, haven't used it for a while. It means destruction, right? So he Ephraim. What's his traits? What is he like? He's he increases lies and desolation. Now, in in the fruit of the spirit. We have what? What? Are, what is the fruit of the spirit? What? What's the characteristics? Long suffering. Yeah. yeah, all those. Do you realize that those are traits of Christ? That's not us. We get those, but we get them because we have the Holy Spirit in us. That's why it's called fruit of the spirit. They are Christ's characteristics. He wants us to have those. Okay, so here. Here, or with man, his characteristics are not that way. He daily increases lies and desolation. Number two, he is a deceitful merchant. 
That's what he calls him. Um, in fact, let's look at that. I think we have to go down to verse 7 to find that. It says, He, Ephraim, is a merchant, and the balances of deceit are in his hand, and he loveth to oppress. So it's interesting. The nation of Israel starts out with leaders and starts out with fathers that are shepherds. And now they've ended up into being merchants. And when you think about that, it's like, what does a shepherd deal with? Sheep? Okay. And sheep in the Bible are likened into people, or people are likened to sheep. And so it starts off with a people relationship, and it ends up with a... Um, a merchant type or a industrial type or, uh, you know, more of a... What do I want to say? I'm at a loss of words here. But the point is, kind of reminds me of our country. We started out kind of an agricultural company or country, and now what are we? We're an industrial powerhouse, right? Yeah. Kind of like Ephraim. I think a lot of people think of Jews... Those who aren't Christians, who aren't Bible believers, who don't know what the Bible says, they think of Jews as being merchants, as being dealers in in um, oh, what, gyms and things like that. I mean, that is how they're thought of. Right, and 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 that because they're fitting right in with this group, like Hosea. They they've come to the point where they are merchants, but merchants deal with. Instead of people, it deals more with possessions and more with riches. So they were more worried, instead of dealing with people, now we're more worried about property and possessions and what they could get. Okay. And they're deceitful as they go. Okay. And then number three, it says, He, Ephraim, loves to oppress. Now, what does oppress mean? Yeah, put down. Uh, burden, uh, or, and I put, or to break. They like to break people. They, they, so Ephraim's not getting a good picture here. It's like a mean, nasty guy that's out to get everybody else, and 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 he's a cheater. He's he's a he he boasts of his riches. Number four. Uh, on your list, it says, He, Ephraim, boasts of his riches. And, and let me back up here for just a minute. In number three, it says, Ephraim loves to oppress, he burden and break. Kind of sounds like uh, the globalists today or governments today. They love to put burdens on people. They love to break people. They want to control people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're seeing take place here in Hosea. And then for, like I said, he boasts of his riches. Now let's look at that. That's down in 7 and 8 here. It says, He is a merchant, the balances of deceit are in his hand. He loveth to oppress. And Ephraim said, Yet I am become rich. So he's boastful. He says, I have found me out substance and in all my labors and they shall find none in iniquity in me that were sin. Not a, he's a schemer. He's a cheater. And he's like, uh, I'm getting all this stuff. I'm getting rich. And yet you can't prove I'm doing anything wrong. Wow. What an attitude. But you know, and then, we, and then the Bible talks about Jacob here in a minute. Remember Jacob in the Bible? He was a schemer. That's what his name means. 
And so that's one of the reasons he brings him up. But we see that the Lord had a controversy with Ephraim. And yet, now the Lord is going to have a controversy with Judah. We're seeing in verses 2 to 6. And then he uses Jacob as an example. Okay? Wasn't Jacob also um, representation of Israel? Yes. Mm -hmm. And Judah is too. Yes. Well, it's kind of interesting. They're all as a representation of Israel, but yet Israel was split. You got the ten northern tribes and Ephraim's representing them. They're called Israel. The southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, are basically called uh, Judah. It doesn't really normally call them Judah and Benjamin, but they call Judah or Jacob or Israel. So we kind of have to get the context. Okay, so the Lord has a controversy with Judah, and let's look at that in verse 2 through 6. And it says, And the Lord hath also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Jacob. See, it's got both of them in the same context, Judah and Jacob. According to his ways and according to his doings, he will recompense him. And then it says, He took his brother by the heel of the womb, and by his strength he had power with God, and yet he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and he made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. And then it just stops and it goes back. So let's look at this for just a little bit. God will punish Judah for their sins. And first of all, I'm sitting here thinking, why in the world does Judah pop up in the middle of Hosea speaking to the ten northern tribes. And yet, during those, during that uh, ministry of Hosea, all the how many kings of the northern tribes did I say were good and how many were bad? Do you guys remember? Trick question. Every one of them was bad. Now, Judah had some good kings, but they also had a few bad kings mixed in. Well, he's referring, now that he's talking to him now, could have been during a couple of those kings during his ministry that was doing wrong in Judah. So he talks to them when they're doing wrong at the same time. So there's two kings that didn't always do what was right. One of them is Uzziah and one is Ahaz in the southern kingdom of Israel. He's probably talking specifically to them. Okay, can't really say. But all of a sudden, they're getting hammered. Okay, so he says the Lord has a controversy with Judah and he's going to punish them for their sins. And so God's giving them a warning. He's giving the, tri- the southern tribes a warning that wake up or he's going to punish them. And Jacob, who represents Judah, was once right with God. And so, and even now, they're, they're still right with God. But again, you got to remember... Jacob, the man, he was a deceiver to begin with. But what happened to him? He got right with God. Again, he's using them as an example, saying, hey, remember Jacob and he's using all that? He goes, he's trying to tell them, even he is a deceiver. Is that ringing a bell, guys? Uh, And he got right with God. And I'm thinking he's using them... as an example, saying, you know what? He got right with God. There's no reason why you can't get right with God. And so, in Hosea 12, 3 through 4, I have it uh, on your handout there. 
I'm, I'm going to go through three and four to give us a little golden nugget that we have here. And now, do you guys like getting those little golden nuggets in the Bible? Okay, you're reading something and God just shows you something that, wow, I never saw that. Uh, and something, that, and there's a lot of golden nuggets in the Bible. We have no idea they're there. You have to study them out. You have to go through books like Hosea and, and, and read it, Hosea, all the way to the end. Because if you don't, you'll miss them. Because you know, if you get halfway through Hosea and go, I'm just reading the same thing over and over and over, why keep reading it? Because God probably has a golden nugget in there for you. So let's go through this and talk this out. Because I want to, I want to explain something to you. Hosea chapter twelve, three and four. He, who's the he now? Jacob. Okay, Jacob goes in your first blank. He, Jacob, took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his, who's the his? Jacob. 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 Jacob's, and by his Jacob's strength, he. Who's the he? Jacob. Jacob had power with God. Okay, and you're going, well, Bob, what in the world are you doing? Just hang with me. Verse 4. Yea, he, who's the he? Jacob. Jacob. So Jacob goes in your blank. He, yea, he, Jacob, had power over the angel and prevailed. He, Jacob, Jacob wept. And made supplication. Now, what does supplication mean? Request. Request, or it would be, anybody else have? Repentance. 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 Could be prayer. All of those probably rolled together. And he made prayer, supplication, unto him. Who's the him there? The angel. Okay. Let, Let me back up. He, Jacob, wept and he made... Who do you make prayer to? Who do you make recompense to? Who do you you make that... You don't do that to men, do you? To God. You do it to God. So it says... So so God here is in the reference back to with Genesis when he did that to a man. It was the angel of the Lord who was God. Okay? He... Now we're back to he again. So who's this he? I'm kind of tore on this, but I think it's Jacob. He, Jacob, found him. Who's the him? The angel of the Lord, or you can put God, in Bethel. And it became Israel. Okay. And there, he, Jacob. Now, now I want you to read the end of verse 4 and and he found him in Bethel, and there he, which is Jacob, spake with, what's the next word? Us. us. Who's the us? Jesus. And the The Trinity. In the middle of all this, you have a verse that talks about the Trinity. Because it could have said God, but it doesn't. It says us. Kind of back in Genesis, when God came down and said, first of all, He said, "Let's make God in 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 our image." And and then you see some places in in the Bible that talks about us and the us being God, being the Trinity. Okay, so 
And you go, why are you making such a big deal about this? Let me read you this same passage in a different Bible version. Okay? What version is it? I'll I'll let you know in a minute. Verse 3, it says, In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood he... I can't read my handout. He, He stood with God, and he strave with the angel and prevailed. He wept and he sought his favor. He met God at Bethel and there God spoke with him. Is that what yours says? It says he spoke with with us. He spoke with God. And, and this one says God spoke with him. Now, you see, that may not be a big deal for some people. But it's a big deal. It's a, it's, this is a RSV, so it's the most corrupt of all. But basically what they did was took out the reference to the Trinity. Okay, let me read it again. I'll read it again. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met with God at Bethel, so everything's going long. And there God spake with him. It switched it around. Instead of... Jacob speaking with us or with God, it said, and God spoke with him. With Jacob. With Jacob. Okay. 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 And what Bible was that? That was the RSV. What's RSV? Revised Standard Version. That's the the ones the Catholics use. But that's the most corrupt one, but but actually all the rest are off that that manuscript. All of the same basis. (laughs) And so... I'm finding out in the in the Bible publishing ministry, you know, we we never used to think about other languages. What Bible are we putting in those? And now that's a big issue that Randy and I and we're trying to. We want to make sure if we print the Bible or if we put a Bible together in a different language that it is the right manuscript. Yeah. And so, it's it is a big deal. It is a big deal. So the RSV is on the line that that t- takes away from God's word. And so there, there's, one, and I won't tell you which version is this, but we've been looking at a version, and we have people on both sides. We have two different groups that says this is the one to use because it's the one that's true, and this is the one to use because it's true. And there's a huge split in Christianity over that. It's a different language than than English. And we're looking at like which one, and you know how, you know what we're using for our basis to, of which one we should use. Well, I, I'll tell you which one I'm going to use. Uh, people are like, "Well, I'm staying with this one because pastor so and so, or missionary so and so, or uh, some person said this is the right one." You know how I'm comparing it. Put it up with the Word of God and we'll put this one up and we'll put that one up and we'll go down through the verses and we'll see if one takes away God's deity or it takes away who Christ is or it takes Christ out of the verse or it takes God out of the verse or it takes something out. That tells me which one I don't want. I want the one that puts Christ in the verse and keeps it in the verse and doesn't take it out. This particular version just took out the us there, which when you study out who the us is, will show you it's the Trinity. When you just say God, 
God, you know, that's all, and you could make a big deal. Well, God's all over the place, but this one specifically broke it down mm-hmm. to the Trinity. Okay. I'm trying to get my aunt to watch Wednesday nights with Randy going through going through manuscript evidence. Yeah. To let her see <clears throat> why the KJV is the Bible. It's you, it's the truth, my. You know, I'm so tired of people saying, "Well, this one's easier to understand." Uh, you know. <clears throat> I know. Okay, I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to, no. that's in the context here. I wasn't trying to just pull this out today. It was just I, in there. I just okay. think it, if they watch Wednesday night, they'll get it. Yes, Wednesday night would be pl- a plus. And, and there are people who go, well, why are you so adamant about it? And it's, it really went in my notes. But it starts off, and then you got, the Bible comes out of Antioch. Comes out through the, the New Testament through Paul, and then it it goes um, it goes up through uh, Europe basically. But there's another group that goes down to Egypt, and and I'm probably not telling you everything that you already know. Goes to Egypt, and the guy down there in Egypt by the name of Origen is taking the Bible, and he looks at it, and he goes, "There's things in there I don't like, so I'll just uh, I don't like that verse," and just erased it. And then he added stuff to it. And so out of that, but then he comes up with, this is, I, I got my own Bible because I took, I marked off stuff and I put stuff on. And then the next guy adds on top of that. And the next guy adds on top of that. And before long, that comes a whole line of Bibles. And then you've got another line that just goes this direction. And then when they get this other, and I'm going to call this the corrupt line, it gets down to a certain spot. And it gets to the point, well, it's easier for us to understand, so that's the one we're going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you stick with the one that that is, that's not been changed and corrected and verses taken out of it? And I'm not real, I'm not, I'm giving you a real quick speed version on that. But it's, it doesn't make sense to me when you look at it. It's kind of like, it's like we got a Bible, and then we got a Bible for dummies because it's easier for you to read it. <laughs> yeah. Right. They don't want to know that they're in sin. They don't want to hear that. And so, uh, so God sent them. God allows for them to be deceived. Yeah. If they don't understand it, they can ask God for the Holy Spirit to right. help them to understand it because uh, right. that's what He's okay. there for. I mean, He's there to help us understand. Right. So again, if I want to work on the transmission in my car, and I pull out a manual of how to fix it, or I pull out a manual for for idiots to work on their transmission, because it's easier for me to read and understand. Which one do I want? I want the technical one, don't I? So I'm getting off track where I wanted to be. So I think I'm going to stop right there today, and we'll we'll finish up next week um, on the next one. On the second page. So, and there is a reason why God is using Jacob, and we'll, we'll, you gotta come back next week to get that, okay? So, um, in the top of page five, it says in verse five, we have all three persons of the Trinity, and we're, they're defined in the next verse the Lord, the God of hosts, and the Lord. And we'll, we'll look at that some next week. So, uh,
Um, again, in the middle of Hosea, when and this is another. Let me throw one more thing out. I thought God was done with Hosea in Northern Group on chapter ten when He told him He was going to kill them all. Yeah. yeah. Right. Remember that He goes. I'm mad at you guys. I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill all your kids. And I'm thinking, well, that's it, man. I mean, that's it. And then the next thing you know, he's he's coming back, and again, he's telling them some punishment. But there's just a little bit of gleam of hope in there. Verse nine says, "And I, that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles." I thought you were going to kill them all. He's going to judge them and they do have to pay judgment, but he's not going to let them get completely wiped out because he will bring them back. So again, he will he will restore them. The sad part though is think of all the people that were lost and went to hell because they just didn't obey him. Again, you can say, Oh, but but God says he's going to restore him. Well he does. And just like us, God's going to bring us to heaven. Yes, He will. But think of all the lost people along the way that just that do not accept Him and will be judged. That's that's the sad part, and that's our job is to get the gospel out to them. So uh, let's uh, let's stop there, and we'll continue on next week. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Hosea. And Lord, even though it's hard to understand at times, Lord, we, we know you have truth in there. You have little golden nuggets in there and, and you teach us truth through your word, through even the, the, it seems like the mundane verses, the mundane chapters of your, of your book, Lord. And I pray that you just help us to, to uh, study your word. And then when we find those truths, that we would just live them out in our lives. So we pray, uh, thank you for that. We thank you for the book of Hosea. And Lord, we thank you that you're long-suffering. And Lord, that also shows us that you're long-suffering to us. And it also shows us that we need to be long-suffering and uh, with people around us. So I pray for that. I pray that we would just be the witness you want us to be in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Sure. I had to leave before you got you're such a pain. <laughs> I'll try to help you out. What do you have? That's right. He's not being very long suffering, is he? He's gotta love me. Hey starting to act like um, God will not return to destroy them. Um, and then it says, They blank shall walk after the Lord. That was a blank? Yeah. And that they shall tremble as a bird out of Egypt, and God will place them in their homes. Okay. Okay. All right, let me see if I can find my. I found the handout, so I just got to find the. Yeah, there was. There's about forty of them. Yeah. Yeah. So he did, you know, a little bit here and there. Yes, they did. They had two major groups. 
Oh, why don't I have that? I know I have that. I just got to remember what it is. They. You have to. He has to. The word doesn't say he has to like you. He just has to love you. Right. That's what. And whenever I messed up in the side booth, I was right upset. I mean, I said, "Remember, you gotta love me. You don't have to like me, but you gotta love me." Bible says. You're bad. Israel. I think it goes in your blank. Israel. Yeah. They Israel shall walk after the Lord. Right. They shall tremble as a bird out of Egypt. They shall tremble as a bird. And then I wrote, out of Egypt. And God will place them in your home. Yes. And that's that's prophetic yet. That was, they He will. It's kind of like I just read at the very end here. And then we'll go a little bit farther. And I'm um, next week I'll probably explain... I need to turn this off. <laughs>